No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. Hey, everyone. Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. No Simple Road family, thanks for coming back to check out what's going on on the porch with the Chaplades. This week we have a really special interview for you guys. It's my daughter Sydney Schaefer. She's an actress, a model, a psychedelic explorer, a super cute human being, a wonderful person, an all-around 
cosmic mama. It's been an honor to be her dad and to help her realize her goals and to give her some tools in her life. And some things came out in this interview that I didn't even know. And we went some places that were dark and some places that were light. And it turned out a lot like the universe. Just a touch of gray. If you're easily offended, well, too bad. This interview might be a little controversial for you. It deals with psychedelics with your children. And I know that that might be a controversial thing out there. But you know what? It's our life and we're living it the way we see fit. So I'm not making any apologies. I'm just hipping you up to what's about to go down. One of the things we need from you guys is for you to start giving us comments and writing in. If you've got a good psychedelic story or you know somebody that's got a good psychedelic story, any experience you've had with the music, anything that's happened to you in your life, hit us up at nosimpleroad.com or nosimpleroad at gmail.com and we'll try and get you on the show. Also, check out the website. There is some forums over there for you guys. We got a family room for us just to have discussions. There's also, if you need assistance with anything, if you're tripping out on something or you're having a hard time, there's a place for you to write in and we'll try and help you out. Uh, We're just trying to build a little community here and help each other out as we travel on down this no simple road of ours. Also, we have our Patreon campaign going on. That's patreon.com forward slash no simple road. That's one word. On Patreon, you can give a dollar or a hundred dollars or even more. Uh, There's different tiers on there. We need your help. Uh, Everybody here in the house works a regular job and creating a podcast and doing what we do takes time and it takes money. Uh, We didn't set the world up the way it's set up, but we live in it as well as you do. And if you enjoy us and you think this is something that you want to here keep happening then you know head on over there and help us out uh it'd be a really cool way for us to connect there's different tiers on there you get different things i'll do a drawing for you uh you get some behind the scenes stuff i'll send you a sticker or a t-shirt you know different stuff it's all typical with patreon so that's all the stupid business stuff out of the way melanie and i really get into the depths of what's happening in our relationship with sid and about how she's grown up so without further ado here is actress and model Sydney Shaver so we're all gonna smoke a bowl together here we go Sydney just took a nice hit a little baby. I'm preparing the, pipe. the bowl. What do you got, babe? I got some nine-pound hammer on your ass. <laughs> so we got some nine-pound hammer on our ass. <laughs> Hi, Sydney. Proud of my little girl taking a toke. Yeah. A fresh one in the morning. So Sydney, you're here with us today being interviewed for No Simple Road. Check that out. Ooh, Pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. You're going to be famous now. Wow, Dad, this is the best thing you've ever done for me. <laughs> right, right. So everybody that's out there, this is my daughter, Sydney. She's an actress and a model. She lives in Los Angeles, California. And she's done some pretty amazing shit in her life. Um, Sid, for everybody out there that doesn't know you, why don't you tell us how 
where you grew up and where you went to school and what made you decide to move to LA and become an actress? Um, I grew up in Las Vegas, Sin City. Um, and I went to my middle school was like, um, for me, like dedicated to acting. My high school was dedicated to acting and I pretty much, I knew what I wanted to do since I was like 12. I wanted to, I wasn't like, oh, I want to be in movies, but I knew that, I mean, I was shy growing up, so I knew if I had like a script of words to rely on to communicate to people, like it felt better and I could actually be more me. And when I started going to Winchester Players, uh, when I was like a tween. Oh, oh my God. When, that's a throwback right Throwing there. Throwing it back, Miss so, Susan, shout out. So when we <laughs> lived in Vegas, there was this community center down the street from us, like about a mile away from our house. And it was called the Winchester Community Center. And they had this little acting company there. And we... Called being, the Winchester Players. And we, ha- we being great parents... We took our daughter to this little acting troupe, and she freaking rocked that place, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I rocked it as hard as I could. The The thing that was cool to me is that in that like whole company, I guess, there was like five Sydneys, and I was always the one that was forgotten because I was like, didn't really look like a Sydney, I guess. But in a way, I felt like I was always, like, thriving because, like, you know, like, when you're the underdog, you're like, oh, I could always, like, I don't know, if you're already forgotten, you could always, like, just being remembered is, like, your goal. It's not to stay remembered. So I felt like I had a lot to, like, prove, but I also had no pressure, which was cool. And uh, my first, like, lead role, I was Adelaide in Guys and Dolls, and it was so cute. I was... I mean, it was a really good experience. So I remember that experience and buying you that dress and going to see you perform. It was a really amazing moment because you kind of just glossed over it, but you were pretty shy when you were younger. Um, Not that you were in a closet. What was that? I said I didn't talk much at all when I was younger, even with you guys. No, you were pretty quiet. I was in my room a lot and like I feel like this the past five years I've talked more than like my whole lifetime. Like I always my said that having having you as a daughter was you were like the perfect little girl because you you would be there with us and hang out with us and then if there was stuff going on that you you know, adult stuff happening, I could be like, Hey Sydney, go in your room and color and you'd be in there coloring until we came and got you. Like you were never a hassle <laughs> as a kid. You were just like and as an adult child, you've never been a hassle. Yeah. You've been awesome so, all the way through. So what I'm curious about, Sid, and I don't think you and I have ever talked about this, so this will be like exclusive information for everybody out there and for me and mom. Is Yeah, right? Um, you know, your your dad's a deadhead and your mom's a, a freak. And, a freak? <laughs> yeah. And how how does that inform who you are as a person growing up like how do you think that us being who we are helped or hurt you um in no way did I think it hurt me and I don't think anyone should think that like oh me being raised by these parents hurt me or it stopped me from doing something because it, it doesn't at all but it gave me a lot of freedom it gave me 
also, I mean, I saw all of your crazy, crazy shit growing up when I was like under 10 years old. Like I saw like, like what crazy shit are you talking about? Like, I mean, okay, I could go devastation after devastation, but to me, they were just like life things. But like what? When like the freaking church was like on fire and like when mom caught you doing some crazy shit, I don't know how much we can go into detail, but and go for it, do it. Found some crazy shit in your Bible and the spine <laughs> and. You guys were in the bathroom, and then she was so pissed. And, like, I felt like I knew everything, and I knew nothing. But I was, what, like, six, seven? And then I remember, like, you guys fighting outside in the in the um, front of the building, the apartment building, Alicia Lynn, with, like, the stairs. I was up the stairs. You guys were down the stairs. And I just remember, like, so vividly, like, me knowing that this was, like, a a big deal like I knew kind of I wasn't supposed to be watching it you know like you know like when you're watching like sex on tv for the first time you're like yeah <laughs> uh, but then you're like still watching That's <laughs> like a car wreck. totally how it felt like I was like I can't stop watching these two people like be so angry with each other but for me I had to figure out like what it was like why it was and like not like why you guys were fighting or like more like why was I watching this and why did I need to learn this? Because <laughs> at seven years old you're thinking this? That's pretty crazy. So mom well, I found. Remember this, I remember this so well up until this moment. Like that's one of my best memories. So I mean, like you know, when you're a kid, like you know, like okay, I feel like someone forgets their birthday. You remember that birthday the most. Like yes, that's kind of how it was. Like I mean, yeah, your memories start like happening around that age but i remember that feeling of i'm always gonna remember this and like why type of thing yeah mom found the syringe stashed in a bible in well i guess you know if we're talking about it i aaron had just come back from rehab no yes yeah yeah aaron had just come back from rehab and i just knew that shit wasn't right I knew that he was still sneaking around and I felt it. And the only, I, I, what I noticed was that he would leave early in the morning to go smoke, but he never forgot his Bible. And I knew that he wasn't reading it. (laughs) (laughs) And for all you Christians out there, you know that you have like that Bible that has a little zip around with the handle and it's got pockets for your pens and your notes. And he had this green one and we still have it to this day. uh, Yeah, I know exactly what it looks like. (laughs) <laughs> and he had separated the binding from his Bible and like the glue and the sewing part. You got to know how to stash shit, man. And you got to know how to find slick. shit. Because <laughs> all you. <laughs> what was that, Sid? I said a MacGyver of fucked up shit. Like, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes. So I opened it up and I didn't see anything right away. And I just knew it was something was in there. And if if you look for something, you're going to find it. And I opened up that binding and there the fuck it was like the first night. And I just freaked out because I was like, I'm I'm not having this shit in my house. Like, I'm I'm not going to keep it up. I never knew that that I never knew that that was even a memory for you, Sydney. 
Like, oh I, my I, God. I think about that all the not even like, oh my God, that's such a sad thought. Like, I just think about that memory of me looking in between those railings of the stairs and you guys like Aww. going Aww. at it. And like, I felt so little. Like, I felt so like I couldn't do oh. anything. You weren't seven yet. You were probably more like five or six. So that's that's something that that has stuck with you for your whole life. And yeah, okay. going back to like me being a kid and growing up and wanting to do acting and stuff. Like I felt like, well, in a way, I had like a lot of secrets to keep in my whole life, but like they weren't my secrets to share. And even the ones that I had to share, I was so ashamed that I never wanted to share. So I think that was why I was like more quiet as a kid and like I was just really good at observing everything like I knew everybody's name first or I knew like if someone was like really into like a football team if they talked about it all the time like I remember like they I just remember things about people you grew up in this this household where you know in our early years of being married and beginning to raise you I was fucking out of my mind completely I I was this 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 fairly fair weather Christian and trying to figure out my own mind and and mom was trying to keep her family together and then you know we got we bought this house together we all moved in and then life kind of chilled out I got my shit together I got a job and we started to raise you guys normally and from well, that point I feel like that's yeah. when you started taking off. Um, I guess, yeah, I needed some, like, stability. <laughs> you need, like, some stability to start feeling like you. But I would go back to the the me seeing you guys fight, and the only time that was as devastating, like, I remember, like, a devastating moment like that, was when I found out that mom was pregnant with Buzzy. Because she was, like one of the most hysterical I've ever seen her. Like she was like, had a fit of like hysteria on the bed crying that she was going to have a baby. And I was like hugging, like touching her and like feeling like compassionate. But I remember I was so happy inside and I didn't understand why she was crying like this. Yeah. Why, but, are, you, why are you crying? We're going to have, a, I'm going to have a little well, brother. Okay. So no, I totally, I, I totally like, knew. I knew mom was scared and I knew like there was a plenty of shit to be scared of. Like, dad had his reputation wasn't really there but i mean <laughs> like two out of three times it didn't really work and like okay so now is this the third of the time the charm am i gonna be a single mom with two kids do i like i totally got it but i was like fuck that this is gonna be fun well i think the only thing you didn't touch on that was my hysteria was i really thought that because of all of dad's you know, yeah, drug yeah, yeah. shit that my kid was not going to be healthy. And that was my, my that's biggest a, that's, freak out. Yeah, natural fear. But when you think, I feel like most, that's, you totally deserve to have that fear. But almost everybody that's pregnant now is like, not now, but ever, they have the biggest worry of like their kid's going to turn out some crazy way. But, yeah, but if you think you, that, I mean, you turned out a fucking yourself. crazy way. You were born with six fingers. Murphy was born blue. Like, I mean, at that point, you got to... <laughs> just step back and be like if i have this baby and it's healthy that's supposed to happen if not whatever i got alien technology in my head so something was bound to happen i i remember noah thinking back in the day hearing 
if you've done acid more than seven times, you're insane. And LSD rearranges your chromosomes and your DNA and it can fuck up your kids. And I'm here to tell everybody out there that's a bunch of crock of shit. My son is probably the raddest, most normal, coolest person I've ever met. Okay, in not life. most normal, but I mean he's healthy and normal. Yeah, he's he's a he's adjusted. Kid. Yeah, <laughs> despite us. No, he. Do you not remember him being like, "I'm glad I chose you guys." So you think the yeah. power's all in your hands, but I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was doing you guys a solid at that point. Yeah, he was. He really did. And he, you did us a solid too. Yeah, you, like honestly, having you guys as kids has helped grow us up as adults. You know, I mean, yeah, I could only imagine. Once you decided you were going to move to L.A. and and become an actress, like as a father, I remember thinking like, oh, my God, my daughter is going to move to L.A. by herself. She just told us she doesn't want to go to school. She wants to become an actress. And Jesus Christ, the porn industry in the Valley in L.A. And God, well, any, you had, anything you had can happen. Such, but as, you kept saying that. And I was like, I what? No, but that's a fear. But you, I, I mean, that. that's the story. I mean, that's what, you know, that's the the narrative that's read to everybody out there. And I guess I'm guilty of being programmed by that shit. And you've gone out there and you've proved us wrong. You've proved not the, us. The world. I didn't think that. You've I just want to put that wrong. on the record. Yeah. You've, you've really kicked ass out there. You, you went out there and you made it look easy, Sydney. So when you first got there, your first gig was face off, right? Yeah. That was my first, like, Whoa, okay. I'm I'm a working actor or model or whatever. Right, like and then you started getting modeling that. gigs. So, like, some of the clients that you've modeled for, who are they? Um, I mean, I've modeled for Target. I've modeled for Ulta. I've modeled for Clarence, for Too Faced. I just did Smashbox. I've done um, Karuna Face Mask. I mean, a lot of those are skin. Um, I did, like, Tilly's and, like... Uh, like online shopping stuff, Abercrombie and um, Famous Footwear. That was my first. Okay, yeah. Famous Footwear was my first like um, in store. You can go see me. And, and I remember being with you when um, I Sky texted you a picture of her mom taking, yes. sitting next to the Famous Footwear of uh, like you know yeah. a photo of you yeah. and. Which that, that was photo such a cool really moment. looks like you, huh? Yes, and it was that it, specific photo has a very mom vibe to it. Yeah, it does. So, Sid, we went um, to see Rat Dog together, and you yeah, know, we, back to tripping. Why are we this, even doing this podcast? <laughs> well, no, uh, just hey, to check it this out. Is so, yeah. <laughs> so you grew up in this in this tumultuous, crazy you know, childhood. And then as you got older, but things with chilled so out. much love with like too, almost, it felt like too much love. Like, so I never felt like bad for myself or like, I never felt like I wanted to do anything naughty. Cause you were saying I was such a good kid. I was like, they love me to literal death and I'm just seeing all their bullshit. But I mean, I'm still, I still feel good, you know? Yeah. For I right or feel wrong, like I'm getting taken never... care of. We never hid our stuff from our children. Well, we couldn't. And you guys are really observant. Yeah. And so we went to the show together. And as a dad, like, I knew that we were going to take MDMA that night together. You were already 18. You were of age. You said you wanted to do it. And I figured, you know what? If she's going to do this, 
I want it mm -hmm. for the first time at least to be with us where where we can keep an eye on her and and know what's going on yeah well also I kind of felt guilty um because you guys have always been like if you ever are curious to anything and do it with me and I didn't listen to that about pot at all because I was like I don't really want to be smoking pot with you and like you had a little we had a little relationship with pot at that, that time that I didn't really get. And I appreciated and I supported, but I was like, no, I think it's just like for partying. It's not for like loving and harvesting and touching. And like, I thought it was just like some party fun drug, but I was felt guilty because like that, that winter, that December was the first time I dabbed. And I was so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I, when you came into the room at six, like right after dad left for work. Do you remember? I, Probably not. No, I remember I had to, well, I do remember coming in. I don't remember what I said at all, but I knew I already had a feeling of like, oh my God. <laughs> so I did what was that said. like? Yeah. What was the feeling like? Like uh, that's what we're talking about the show, like well, elaborating was, on I what would, I liked, I loved smoking pot at that time. Like I started like maybe like around like October ish or whatever. And I wasn't doing it often, but I was doing it in a good amount, like a couple weekends. And like, I wanted to dab because it was like a Christmas party. I thought it was going to be fun. And I was like, let me like push my limit and have fun. And I, it was the craziest thing to me. I was at one point looking at my phone and like every, the whole world around my screen was pitch black and not only pitch black, it was like the type of black where you like it, like it pulls focus, like a pull focus black. Mm -hmm. So it felt mm -hmm. like there was an endless room of blackness. Now it was just like hollow. And so I was like, Whoa. And I was looking at my phone and like, I was like, pushing up swiping up to find like context or something like I would think I was going to call Tanner and like it looked like a completely another language the lights were like the lights on the phone looked inverted and I was like I can't even read right now and I had never I've never done like when I smoke pot like I've always like tripped and it was like creative stuff flowing and I've never really at that point seen other things you know yeah like, it was just, like, more feelings I was feeling, not, like, visually interjected. Yeah, when it, in, when it includes the body, it starts getting a little crazy. And, you know, they say that, that cannabis isn't a psychedelic, and I'm here to tell you, in proper set and setting and with the right quantity and the right strain, man, that shit is super psychedelic. Yeah. So I felt guilty that I had done that that summer or that winter. Um and I didn't tell you guys and I just like was like messed up until Christmas even like I remember it was like a week and I was still kind of in recovery and <laughs> <laughs> you're in dab hit recovery <laughs> I couldn't even tell you how that even I don't know how that happened but I felt really bad Smoke and then weed you every day <laughs> yeah and you so gave me the opportunity to like do these shows that you were really really into at that point like you're digging them and I was like I mean he's being cute like he's loving it so I mean I might as well and I wanted to too I mean who doesn't want to have fun 
and also with their boyfriend and their cousin and their uncle who's always fucking rad no matter what and then mom's who's silly and then dad i was like and i'm gonna have such a good trip for him like he's, he's oh gonna- god <laughs> that's funny <laughs> Dad puts pressure on you, you not to go to college, trip. but to have a good trip. Well, look, man. I mean, what's more important, college or fucking having well, a good trip on Molly? And you're thinking of all the crazy, crazy shit that could happen. And you're like, oh, okay, well, you should do it. And then <laughs> of, 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 uh, anything that has to do, oh, me taking a second hit of Molly. I feel like you had a smirk in your face, like ready to, okay, you're going to get fucked up. You're a little evil. <laughs> Hey, I'm a good dad, you know, for me, Sid, I mean, you've heard this before because you're my kid, but you know, the Grateful Dead for me is such a personal thing. It's, it's on another level. And for a lot of deadheads out there, it's like that for all of us that call ourselves deadheads, whatever that means, like it's, it's a super personal, almost, almost like religious thing to us. I, not in the sense of like dogmatic or anything like that, but like, you know, it's reverence. Yeah. There's a reverence for the music and the music speaks to us and it takes us somewhere and it, it helps to guide our lives through the universe, speaking through the music to us. And that can happen with any music, but like, we've chosen that thing to be the conduit to us. And like for me to share that with you as an adult and as, as my daughter, father, daughter thing, it was like letting you into my secret, letting you into my world so that you could understand better who I am and why the things that have happened to you in your life have happened to kind of like lay the foundation for you. So you would have some frame of reference of who I am. Some answers. Totally did. A hundred percent did. And I mean, I was probably so excited to go to do it because I knew that it would like you have a, I have, I'm very sensitive with my intuition and I, I just felt like it would, like, I felt like I would understand another level of you, of course, but another level of life, like, yeah. In general, I mean, yeah, me being of age has nothing to do with it, but me being of age in my head and like my life, I was ready to know and I was ready to experience it myself because, I mean, I could have been doing it way earlier and had like a weird relationship with it. Like you were doing crazy ass drugs when you were a teenager, 13, 14, 15. And like I grew up in Las Vegas just like you. I mean, I had tons of friends that were doing crazy, crazy, crazy shit. And like I didn't care like I didn't really want to do that and honestly a lot of my ways to rebel I was just like kind of a square really good like I like to have things like really neat and like because that was like my way of like rebelling in a way so that (laughs) but then I didn't didn't really want to be like that it was just like me doing it so I can like uh, to you guys so for all you parents out there (laughs) All you have to do is be a total flailer. Loosen up a yeah. little. <laughs> and, and your kid will like want to be good. So, hey, we found the secret. No, you guys totally did find the secret. Because even okay, if we start going back to like the L.A. thing and whatever, like, yeah, like I have no pressure to be some crazy known 
like actor or actress. I just am here to do whatever I want to do. And I don't have, didn't have a momager, but I also don't have someone who's like, if I have any type of strides is like weirdly jealous or also in a way shows like love to you behind your back, like talks a lot about you, but it does never show you love. Like I didn't have to deal with any of that. So it was like, yeah, when you loosen up the reins and let the horses go a little bit, they're going to go fucking fast and right where you need to go. That's what it felt like. And you've like. taken off. You, you've, you've really taken off out yeah, there. And, and uh, to get back to, to the question though, like, so we went to that show together and we did that thing. We, we took Molly together. And like I said, as a dad, I had to let go of the stigma and the program in my head about doing this with my daughter. And once I did, it was a really beautiful experience. But what I want to know is like for you that night, what, what was your experience like? Like if you can recap. Um, so my experience was, I was a little weary if I was a little, a little nervous, but I felt comfortable. And, um, I remember like when we took the first bit, it didn't, I wasn't feeling nothing. I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, and then you guys were up, up at like the top. And I was like, in my head, like waving down below while like mouthing to Tana. I'm like, what's, what is this? Like <laughs> smile and wave boys, like that type of thing. And then I was like, fuck, I want more. I mean, I actually want to feel it. So when we like took more and I started feeling it, I was like, okay. Like I had no time to actually like think of what, what was going to happen. And I'm always do that. I'm always thinking of like, okay, when I get there, I'll probably get an or orange juice and, and then I'll find like, but this, I just was like, Oh my God, it's happening. And then like, my life is going to not be in my control, but in a way, way more of my control. Do you know what I mean? Okay, like, I know what you mean. <laughs> like it was, I was excited. I was getting really excited. And then especially with the dancing thing i love moving i love like letting like music just like go in my veins and out my little fingertips but i knew i was like would be a little self-conscious like dancing and like didn't want to go full out or whatever but then right when i was i that's why i wanted more because i felt like i was going to be self-conscious and then so when it was like fully in me I knew I wasn't self-conscious and I didn't give a shit who was watching and it was fun and I I remember the Dear Prudence bit just as well as you do because I mean at that point yeah I was like spinning in circle and stuff and I remember like we made like a couple friends around us but like I still thought everybody like that we were dancing with was super weird and not my style but I was at one point, like when the Dear Prudence was like playing, I like looked around and I was like, these people are cute and like fun and like sassy and like, I don't know. I liked them a lot more. And then I looked up and because I, I was like, oh, who else do I like a lot? Like, you know, like when you're like, oh, that tasted yummy. What else kind of treats do I like to eat? <laughs> So I was like, looked over at Tanner and he was bopping, being cutie as he always was. And I like, but Tanner was like easily to like be awake. Like he would just move if he wanted to groove like easily. And then I like look up and it was kind of weird. in the fact that I was just like, saw you like staring at me, but then I, cause you know, like 
when you notice someone like looking at you, you're like, oh, how long were they looking at me? And like, especially I had just had some type of revelation like a second before that. And then like you like were like staring and I was just like, oh my, I shook my head. I was like, this is what he wanted the whole time. I can't even believe it. (laughs) And like, yeah, you totally saw the moment that I like appreciated where I was who I was, who I was with. And yeah, it was crazy. There's nothing, nothing better. Like in my memories, we, I have tons of really awesome memories as you growing up, like putting your hair in ponytails and putting lotion on your feet when you were a little girl and Mm -hmm. driving you to kindergarten and picking you up from middle school and swimming and all these cool memories. But that particular memory never fails to make me tear up. Cause like I said, it's so personal and it's such a, such an intimate thing for me to see you get it like that was really magical. And it made me feel like, like, I don't even, I can't even explain it. Like nothing could ever come between us now. Like that was it. Mm-hmm. And, and, it was and like I an never, initiation. yeah. And I never had to explain to you again about myself. Never, ever had to explain again. And I was excited because I got to share all this music with you now. Mm-hmm. I remember not long after that, you moved to LA and I, I sent you, I will take you home. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And it was just cool to know like, wow, she's going to hear this. She's not just going to listen to the song. She's going to hear this now and, mm-hmm. and know where I'm coming from and, it's really special, man, and, and really cool. And since then, we've had opportunity to do that together, I don't know, two or three other times, right? Yeah. And they've each been these pivotal, really amazing, magical moments. Fare Thee Well was very, very hard. and It was, it was such going into adulthood. When I, was like, I was turning 20, so I was like not a teenager anymore. And like... It was, yeah, I mean, I I realized at that trip, I was like, I'm the only one that's going to make me happy. Like, I realized after we tripped the first day, which was my actual birthday, um, it was super fucking dark. Like, not like outside, but it was like, there was dark shit happening everywhere. And I felt it, and it was like, whatever, and I kind of just put it on the back burner. But I remember being in my head in the morning and thinking I can feel really bad for myself and I could feel what I'm feeling right now upset and scared and like whatever or I can literally go outside like walk around take a breath and let whatever I'm actually feeling in that moment guide me instead of what the, my memories were and like, Oh, maybe I need to be upset because something like this happened. So I realized at that, when we were at fairly well, the first, the, we had already just seen them the night before and it was the day of the second one. I realized like, I'm, I make my own decisions in life. Like I never realized that before, I guess I never really fully understood that I could make myself happy if I wanted to. So you think that, that, taking psychedelics led you to that? Or do you think you would have come to that realization on your own? No, it was, it was coming out of the psychedelics. It was like the morning coming out of the psychedelics 
and it, of course it had something to do with taking them that's why i had that revelation but it was also knowing okay i don't i didn't need I didn't need to do that last night. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't, I was guilty. I wasn't like, I wish I didn't do it. It was more like, I know what that felt like. And now I'm not feeling like that, but I know I can get back to that feeling. And how, how I could get back to that feeling. Yeah. yeah. In a way, I guess like sense memory. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Like I experienced it the night before and I now that's stored in me like in a filing cabinet somewhere but I I mean that was like windy and it was like so I just like took a lot of stuff that was happening like being around so many people and like all that stuff like when your brain is like when your eyes and your brain are taking all that stuff in it goes somewhere like it just doesn't disappear in your memories and I guess I never, every time I trip, I don't fully forget anything. Like I remember almost everything that happens. And I remember having the feeling of me being at like most pure bliss, like nothing could go wrong. And then like everything felt like it was going wrong the next morning. And then to me, I was like, I had just a feeling less than 12 hours ago of nothing could go wrong. And this isn't, this isn't something that I should let affect me because I have all those senses built up in me and I could recall those and I can draw from that. Yeah. I think one of the things that, that psychedelics have taught me and I heard this on uh, Aubrey Marcus's podcast a while back and it, it's something that I've thought about a lot and I never could really frame correctly in my head. Like I didn't have the words to put it together, but like, you know, when you get a song stuck in your head and you're like, God, I got this song stuck in my head and, and I need to get it out. And you tell somebody, I got this song stuck in my head. And they're like, well, who put it in there? Who put that song there? Well, I did. And whose mind is it in? Oh, shit, it's in my mind. Well, if it's in your mind and you put it in there, get it out. And that's the same thing that you're talking about. It's like realizing that there's another way and that you're in control of your mind and you're the one that's driving the ship and not being like, at the mercy of your thoughts and your emotions and these chemicals in your head where you have something to go back to. I think that's situational. That block of shows was very tough. We, we covered it on an earlier episode, what happened that night. And yeah, it was hard. Own home thing that you were talking about. And I was very much there and present. I mean, this was like kind of, it was definitely for dad and it was definitely for me because it was my birthday time. But I mean, I, there was, I was not, (laughs) how do I say this? Um, that wasn't what I was expecting from a birthday trip or a birthday psychedelic trip trip, but I totally needed it because I was like, I had, I felt everything. I felt rage. I felt, I felt so many emotions in that one little weekend and I'm very thankful for that, but it was fucking tough. And like, I didn't just have fun. And yeah, I I agree. And I think that's one of the mistakes is, is adults and people that do that. You know, we set up expectations for ourselves of how a trip is going to be. And you're dealing with this chaotic thing this otherworldly chaotic being is the psychedelic entity 
and we set up an expectation for it of how we want it to be. And you can't do that. You can't expect chaos to act a certain way. Chaos is going to be chaos by nature. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we can't be like, well, I want the hurricane to kind of go yeah. this way. Uh, if you're in no, Hollywood, you can. It's going to go which way everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's also like you, you, you're creating a disaster. So you in Hollywood, you can, but it's also like, I mean, okay, let's talk about like why I want to act and stuff. I really can tap into to what someone wants from me or from like anything. And when you're creating a false reality and also, yeah, let's, this could totally help with the psychedelic talk too. But when you're creating somebody else's reality that they're creating in their mind as they're doing it, that's, um, you're in a very special place. You have a lot of power, but you also have a lot of pressure because like someone's counting on you to fulfill their dreams of however this is going to like turn out. But you don't really know that. You don't really know what their dream is. And what it really is, is they just want you to be completely natural and let the situation take, take control. And you kind of be like on autopilot, but let it like no holding back, like fucking go. Let it flow through you let it flow through you for sure. But it's hard because like you, I mean, I'm not a, I can't look into someone's brain and know what they want me to do exactly, but I can look into their eyes and see how they're looking at me and seeing if, okay, if they're thinking of something, then I can, I can kind of counter what I think they're thinking. And sometimes I'm totally, It's a total game of chess and sometimes I'm wrong and sometimes I totally fuck up and I lose, but then I use all those things and then I look back and I'm like, fuck, see, I know what I did wrong. I didn't move the fucking queen in the right spot like that. And like, then I learn and then it's like way better the next time and easier the next time. But it's like with psychedelics, you have that same autopilot thing. You have that same like, okay, um, we're here at this concert and we spent all this money coming out here. Like this is any like exciting thing. Or if you go do psychedelics, like in the woods and okay, you brought your camping gear, you have all the good people around you. If something goes weird, you have your water, like you set everything up and then you take this shit and you're like, okay, like now this is what my life is actually going to be like in a way, because I'm not consciously thinking with my brain. Maybe I'm thinking with my my heart or my stomach or like other things that aren't going to hinder my, I guess, your faith or your destiny. Mm. I guess you have to know. You have to know how to release yourself into the trip and let it be what it's going to be. And I think the times that I've had bad experiences with psychedelics is because I, it, it gets away from me. Like I start trying to grab onto certain things as they happen. Psychedelics are this magnifying glass. So if you grab onto anything while you're in the, in the whirlwind, it becomes magnitudes larger. And then that becomes the tornado. And it's this fractal of thoughts and scariness that can happen when you try and grab on. That sounds intense. I've never, I've never had a bad trip. We were just talking about letting go enough, let, letting the psychedelics like take you instead of trying to navigate where you're going to let it take you. 
but the time that we um, all did DMT mm. and that feeling that you got, like, we talked about it. Which is crazy. Um, the feeling of what, though, specifically? Well, like, when you started, you know, to kind of lay back and let it finally take control and feeling like it, you didn't have enough, but at the same time, you did. And I guess just kind of go through how you felt after that, because that was pretty intense night as well. That was, yeah. I enjoyed it because it was very intimate. I'm, I'm all about intimate. I like, I feel like I flourish when there's like, like it's one-on-one or maybe like a group of three, but I loved being down there in Apple's room, all cozy and safe. And like, I didn't really want to do it. I hated the smell. And I didn't really like anything that it, I just like natural stuff. Like that just makes sense to me. And this was natural in a way, but then I went through a whole, uh, went through a process and then I was like, I don't know. But I was like, this, whatever. They want me to do it and I'm going to fucking do it because it's going to be fun. And I'm going to do it, so I'm going to do it. That's not pressure. Well, sometimes you have to pressure people to do what they need to do. Some people need a little bit of coaxing. I need a lot of bit of coaxing. You know, I have to say that as a parent, well, as a parent, I'm growing you up in this psychedelic world world that dad and I created for you. Like every time uh, we've done something like that, it really has moved our family forward. And that's how I see it, like a spoonful of sugar. I just Scooby snack. Oh, gross. Yeah, you Ooh, your tongue's all black. <laughs> Nasty. So, so what happened that night? I remember you, you hit, you took a couple really big hits and then you went back on the couch and you were like, your fingers were moving and what was happening in your head? Um, it was pretty giggly. And I remember like definitely having a weightlessness feeling. So I had to lay back and like take advantage of like just opening up. Um, and I remember it was pretty cinematic cause I didn't feel like I was, I mean, I felt like I was, you know, like when you're in a movie and like, everything's dark around yeah. you and you're just looking at the screen, but then you look in there cause there's still popcorn and stuff like that. Like I could see you guys looking at me and stuff, but I was like, I'm in this world right now. So I'm going to let myself like watch this movie and it was pretty crazy because, like, I remember there was a lot of... I had been watching Fritz the Cat that day or before. And um, there was a lot of, like, cartoon kitties, like, like in my face. And, like, not exactly like Fritz the Cat, but it was, like... I remember looking at, like, these cats. But they were, like, people. Like, they were acting like people with just, like, cat features. And they were like in my face, like, eh, like kind of not teasing me, but like challenging me. And I thought it was funny. I thought it was like, oh my God, I get excited when there's like bad shit happening. So I was kind of smirking and I was like, okay, what are these babies going to do? You're naughty. (laughs) I'm a naughty boy. (laughs) But um, yeah, I remember laughing at the little kitty people thing. And then, and then I realized um, that it wasn't like a movie. It was more of like a theater performance, which then that's real life because it wasn't pre-recorded. Right. And I was like, whoa, I'm in a real life 
thing right now. So at that point, I knew I was like in the DMT trip. I wasn't like, okay, guys, look at me, I'm laying back. Then I realized I was in it, and it was just a lot of illusion. It didn't. There wasn't so much of a story, but like I remember having the view of like uh, standing on a like the side of a building. And like, I look up and there's like a hand moving and there's like strings attached to it. And I look at my hand and like, I was like a puppet. Like I was like moving, like somebody was controlling me like this hand. And then, then I looked, so I was looking at my hand and like, I was like, oh my God, I have these strings attached to me and I'm like moving. And I was like, I'm not in charge of me. Uh And then I looked down because I was like standing at the edge of like a building and I looked down and it totally inverted just kind of like when you like the like inception the snake, the snake that eats itself yes. type of thing I I looked down and literally it was my hand that was like the puppeteer hand or the uh marionette the marionette fingers and I was like no i'm the puppeteer (laughs) of my own life Uh (laughs) uh-oh and i was like no way and then it was like and then it kind of went instead of horizontally very long then it went like vertically it kind of like snapped out a little bit more and it was like then i saw like more colors and then it was like but i the whole thing that i remember taking from it was like because you said like dad when you had done it just the time before it was like i like there's a lot of change in me in my person in my psyche and like i didn't think that was happening and while i was doing it and i was like i don't think i'm gonna have a lot of change but i definitely know um who's 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 in charge i definitely know like who's who's who I didn't have an idea of like a different world that I was living on or anything, but I definitely was awoken to the fact that I was in charge of everything. That's been a recurring theme for you is to realize that you're the, you're the one that's directing your own movie and that you can be a star out in the world all you want, but you need to star in your own movie more than anything. And that you're the one that's controlling what happens and creating your own reality and you're not at anybody else's mercy. That's something that's come up for you. You said that's what happened at fairly well. And then it happened again when you, when you did the DMT, like that's a thing. And I feel like a a girl at my age, that's exactly what they need to know. Like, absolutely. um, Like, I don't know, just being, being a woman in general, there's a lot of, weird things that you have to face like you can't be too bossy or too bitchy and you can't I mean you can't also what like to have the door held open for you and like kind of take being taken care of like a kid like you can't it's weird like there's just so many rules it feels like but when you like when I saw all this and I guess it has been a recurring thing of being like in charge of my own self my own life and my own brain uh, it was like, yeah, there are no rules. And even if there are, I'm the one that's knowing if I'm breaking them or not. You're because making you create the rules. them. Yeah. You're the one that's making the rules. Yeah. Yeah. You can agree so I, to the so, rules that people say, or you can make your own. And I have always done this my whole life. I'm 
uh, I like breaking rules a lot. I also like to do things the hard way. Um, it just makes everything more fun for me. And I will also, in the way that I'll do it the hard way, I will listen to something that somebody says to do, knowing that it's not the right thing to do, but I'll do it while looking at them dead in the face because they knew the whole time it wasn't the right thing. So you prove and that now this is just wrong so by doing what they say. So, yeah, and while they actively see that I already was aware of this, but I will listen to this bullshit you're telling me because this is the rule you created or the rule you're abiding by, and, like, I find enjoyment out of that. Growing, I really growing do. up in, in a psychedelic family, I think one of the things that has been impressed upon you and that Mom and I have realized is that Society builds these conventions for itself in order to keep order and apply these roles and rules to people. And being from a psychedelic family, we've chosen uh, to be not as much a part of that and not to abide by those things and to create our own rules and our own reality and to make things the way we want them. So, yeah, Why I, could, are you laughing? I could see how that is something that you see because i i have never heard the term psychedelic family i know before. me now, so i thought head, that's I funny created, too. Like, a, like a battle of like the family's family feud like this psychedelic family like how many are there out there? i don't like, you know i wonder <laughs> i would love to hear back from people in well, we're probably going to hear back from people being like, oh, my God, how could you have done this with your kids? What kind of parents are you? I think our audience understands. I hope so. I mean, there's people who do and don't. And that's not my yeah. concern. Yeah, yeah. there's people not going to get it and they shouldn't because they're not ready to. Or they will. And they groove on it and yeah. keep listening. Well, well, you know, maybe this yeah. will help a family like that, because I know like. In my interview, I, I talked about being guilty and proud. Prilty. Yeah, yeah, that was one of those main main things. And I felt I feel guilty and proud a lot. I'm like, I feel guilty in like the fact that I mean I was doing DMT in the basement, like and like I didn't want Buzzy to hear. Like I felt guilty. But then I also was proud. I was like, oh my God, me and my family's relationship is so much deeper oh than yours. Oh my god, <laughs> really? Don't you dare try to even come on Ew, our that's gross. <laughs> So that is a psychedelic family. So, yeah, it, yeah it, it's a weird generic term, but I don't know how else you could qualify what we are. Like, you've grown up free. I, we never really put expectations on you other than we didn't want you to fail out of school so that we didn't have any hassles. <laughs> that's dad's perspective. That wasn't even... Maybe you thought that to yourself, but that I never felt like I couldn't not go to school. I felt like I could do whatever I wanted, but I just wanted to always do the right thing. Yeah, I, it shows. And now you're grown up and you're living alone in L.A. and you've got this awesome career going on and you're doing all these amazing things. I mean, you've you've been in a major motion picture. You've been in Nocturnal Animals and... You know, you've been up for parts in, in X-Men movies and your name is getting out there. And it, it's it's cool, like, as your dad to see where you're going and what you're doing with the tools that mom and I have given you as parents. And then also 
to see what you're doing with the information that you've gained on your own and watch how you're growing up. It's really cool. Yeah. In a way, I feel like I've taken so many shortcuts. Like, everybody I meet, this is without a doubt. Here are the two things. Like, people are like, what, what, where are you from? Like, they always mean ethnicity or, like, what's your background or heritage or whatever the words you want to use. But I always get that, and I always get, like, it depends on the type of person that they really do want to know. Like, they always ask my age. And not, like... Not like in the fact of like they want to know how old I am because like they want to know how young I am or how old I am. It's it always seems because they're purely confused. It's like they literally have no idea how old I am. And yeah, I mean, it's timeless. I felt like I, there's so many there's so much shortcuts because I feel like there's things that I just know that I guess age wise I shouldn't, but. Um, it doesn't it doesn't work that way it doesn't work time wise and my age doesn't really matter I mean it does in some ways but I don't think you can consider that when you're well yeah and you've had different information given to you throughout your whole life as growing up so you know a whole other mindset from the way the world works is the tools that you've been given to, to build the rest of your life. I mean, for not for nothing, but like I was growing cannabis in the house when you were in junior high school and we were having equinox rituals and initiations inside of our house. And and you've seen all that and, and not for nothing, but those energies and those vibrations have affected you and informed who you are as a person just from being around it. And so, yeah, you, Mm -hmm. you, you Gro- use magic on a regular basis in what you do every day. Whether you realize it or not. And a lot of what you're talking yeah, about yeah. for yourself is the whole do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law thing. Like, you know, you're doing yeah. your thing and letting other people do theirs and and creating your reality. And it's a beautiful reality. Yeah. So if you could give, if there was a kid that was growing up in a family similar to ours, right? Sitting in front of you right now. What would be the one piece of advice you would give them? What would be the one thing? Um, the one thing that I think would help the most is being verbal and open communication with your feelings. Um, not so much like what you're doing, but like if you feel like in a moment that you just love your family, like if you like, if you have a realization, like say it, like, because that's the most, you're speaking your literal truth at that point. And I've had such like so many times like that where I've like, I've not said my exactly how I was feeling. And at that moment it was so real. And I just, I didn't feel like saying it because it was scary, but if it was somebody, if I had to give advice, like don't hold, hold, don't hold back on your feelings because you're thinking of a consequence or because you're scared. Let it kind of flow out, like throw up because it, it's, it's supposed to be said. Well, that's beautiful. That's really, really cool. 
And I want you to know something, Sid, as your dad and your trip partner and your friend and your mentor at times, I couldn't be more proud of who you are as a person. And I love you more than anything in the world, sweetheart. And I think you're beautiful and amazing, even if you were emptying garbage cans for a living. I think you're amazing. And doing this with you was really fun I today. I think you guys are amazing. Yeah. I know. I want to keep going. <laughs> I had a trip last night. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. What happened? <laughs> um, it was my friend's going away party in Highland Park. And um, I did some MDMA, which usually is not my favorite. I'm all I'm a shroomy shroom girl, but um, I I had fun because I just I mean I like to always move my body no matter what, and I it's so much fun to do that on Molly. But it's so funny like going in. I didn't know too many people. I just knew Esteban, and Adam came with me. And so I was like, okay, I'm kind of comfortable here. And I've been to his place before, but like, I didn't really know anybody and it was a little bit awkward, but like by the end, like before, like right when I was leaving, like this guy was pissed that I was leaving. Cause we had been like dancing and like, he was like, oh, don't, why are you going and all this stuff. And I realized I was like, wow. Like I, I kind of just thought of myself being taken out of the party. And I was like, it's not gonna be as fun <laughs> that's why that's i'm what, taking the like, party with me that's my girl and i and i didn't i wasn't thinking of like oh i'm i'm making it better like i mean i was just like i was thinking like why is he so upset and i was like he's upset because he's having fun with me and i was like well who else is he gonna have fun with and i was like no one as much as me and then i was like mm, okay and like the whole time, everyone's like, "Where did you find her? Like, who is you she? Love like, being the center of attention. <laughs> that's I okay. Who? Oh no, Dad! Literally, who does? Okay, what? Who talk likes about being Dad the center of attention? He... <laughs> I know. I don't know what you guys but are talking also, about. Also, who who really does like? I mean, having a center of attention is cool. It's good, and like, but what? Now you can't like everyone's. You're pressured of what you're gonna say next, and like, oh look at look at this thing, and I don't like people talking about me, like I'm not there, <laughs> like I'm right here. What do you mean? Where did he find me? Like we are <laughs> yeah, friends, <right>? like <laughs> like you're a lost puppy. Where so, did you find this cute puppy? And then, and then this guy was giving me some crazy advice. He was like, just he's like, you don't need anybody, and like all this stuff, and so like. So, yeah, being a center of attention is cool and stuff, but I was like, I, it's not, no one loves, I don't love to do it. It's funny because, like, I'm getting to hear this person try to change my life in, like, five minutes because I changed his a little bit. And now he's like, I know you, like, you're so, you're so much stronger. You're on this level and everybody else is at this oh. level. So you shouldn't, like, all this Whoever stuff. Whoever you are, I'm dude, like, nice try. And, and, no, he was good. Well, I knew he was rad. But, like, pretty much he was, like, giving me all these compliments, saying how special of a person I was and, like, how I was, how it seemed like I was at another level, what he was saying. And I didn't think I was. I was just, in a way, letting, being more free than anybody else. But with all the stuff that I've seen my, in my whole life, like I can just be more free. You know, Sid, if I could give you one piece of advice for this part in your life, I think it would be 
to find that part of yourself that's authentic and come from there all the time, not to worry about how you look to other people. And I don't mean your looks. I'm talking about you not to worry about how you look Mm -hmm. to other people to be genuine with yourself. And just like you were saying advice to kids, like being honest with their feelings, be honest about who you are, what you like, what you dislike. And you don't have to be on stage all the time for everybody because you're wonderful just the way you are. And it feels good to get those compliments and it's cool. But on the other hand, we can get caught up in those things. And so it kind of just has to bounce off the wall. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. That's well, that's, that's the challenge. Like, that's why I was you're like, you love being a center of attention. I'm like, Oh, like, I, yeah, it feels great to be loved and like, whatever. But it's also like a lot of pressure too. And it's like, just kind of the whole, whole acting thing. It's like, there's a lot of power, but there's also a lot of pressure. Like you have all these eyes looking at you and they're like, we have fucking $10,000 on this day. So you better bring it. And like, okay, it feels good to be that special that somebody needs me at that time. But it's also like, that's why so many people like in Hollywood break or like musicians take so much drugs and they like need some outlet or like, everybody does their own thing or businessmen drink alcohol until they see stars. Like, because there's so much pressure, everybody has pressure and everyone wants attention in a way, but it's like, I don't know. You're totally right. And like being coming from your authentic, authentic self. Cause every time I've had revelations and people have said the most wonderful things about me, it's been at that time when I'm being a hundred percent me. Yeah. You're saying you're like, to me, when you're in that place, when you're coming from that place in my life, you're like this warm little campfire. If it's cold outside and dark and I can go get by that fire and feel like I'm at home and I'm warm and I'm safe and you're, you're really rad. Yeah. I, so is there anything that, um, you got coming up that you want to announce or do you have any shout outs or anything like that that you want to give? Um, I mean, I'm always, always, always working on something new. I have tons of like videos that are coming out. Um, I do that thing for bass nectar. So, I mean, if anybody that's into bass nectar, keep an eye out for like this, (laughs) this like dancing bit that I do like during his live stage, which would be cool to see. But, um, also if you watch television, and you see my armpit that's that's sweet and know commercial. that that's making that's how i'm driving and getting gas every day so thank you for watching my armpit well, your mom and i are really proud of you sweetheart and we want you to go have a beautiful fun cute special day and i'm sure you'll be back on the show soon because you're fun and funny yeah thank you sweetheart, for sharing all that stuff because I think a lot of stuff came out that we didn't even expect, but that was good. Yeah. And I still have my, I still have a lot of stuff under my sleeves that I didn't, that I can talk about next time or just in general, but I felt like this was a, yeah, it was a perfect. Start. Yeah. And when you got something I, coming up to promote, yeah. promote it on here and, and you want to put your Instagram name oh, yeah, out there? Yeah, or yeah. Not? Um, yeah. My Instagram is Citeroni. 
S-Y-D-E-R-O-N-I. So follow Sydney at Sideroni. And if you have comments or questions for us, you can reach us at nosimpleroad at gmail.com or you can head on over to the website at nosimpleroad.com. And as always, guys, we appreciate your time. We love you. And you just got to poke We love you. We love all of you. Take care, everybody. And I love my parents. Bye. Bye. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil Story Made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. I want to tell you about the April-May 2023 issue of Relics Magazine. It features a Dave Matthews Band cover story with additional articles and interviews with The National, Graham Nash, Wayne Shorter, ALO, Ivan Neville, our friend Eric Krasno and Stanton Moore, Marty Stewart, and much more. Check out the latest version of Relics and subscribe now at relics.com slash DMB. Thanks, Relics. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.